Oh, it's exciting. Oh, man, this is uh, what what I, I love to see in the ministry is seeing kids come forward. And, and a lot of these kids, their testimony is because it began in the home. Mom and dad, grandma, grandpa were pouring God's word and love into their life in the home. And they just kept hearing it and kept hearing it and came to church and, and uh, finally felt that, that desire to want to make it be known that they believe. And um, it's so awesome because it's really what, what we're talking about as we're in this series. And if you haven't been able to be here the last couple of weeks, we're in part three of four uh, in a series called The Heartbeat of Harvest Hill. I don't know if you noticed when you drove up, a lot of y'all probably see it, is out on a church van. We have this slogan that says, love God, love people. And I love the simplicity of that statement capturing the greatest commandment when Jesus said that the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, basically everything you've got, just loving God. And that second commandment is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And he says that all the law and all the prophets are what we would call the Old Testament. All of that hangs on these two things, about loving God and loving people. And though I love the simplicity of that is, is uh, I was called to be the pastor here back in October and, and officially stepped on board in November, began praying actually in September when, when the Hurchin family felt God moving us to Stratford and moving us to Harvest Hill. Um, the simplicity of love God, love people, the question was, what does that look like and how do we do it? Um, I mean, it's one thing to say you should love God, love people, but what does that actually look like in our life, in the life of this church, and how do we do it? And so that's where this series came out of, is just uh, months of praying and waiting and seeking uh, for God to reveal what He wanted to reveal through this series. And so this, this series isn't just going to be a four-week and then we'll move on to the next series, though that will physically happen, but it's a series that we're going to be implementing in the life of Harvest Hill as our discipleship model. And if you weren't here, I'll just kind of give you a quick summary. You know, these look like heart rate monitors. Each heart rate or beep there is a representation of the letter M. And each letter M is a stage that we all begin in our relationship with God or should begin. The first M begins with meeting Jesus. You know, you cannot be a Christian. You cannot be a disciple. Matter of fact, you shouldn't biblically be a church member if you haven't met Jesus. And if you haven't met Jesus, the Bible says you're lost and you're heading for hell. But that's not God's desire for you. That's not His will. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to be a child of God. And so you may be here this morning because this is what's going to happen this morning before we leave. You're going to meet the Lord and Savior who loves you. And you're going to understand the love of God for you. And you're going to meet Jesus. As people who have met Jesus, one thing that we need to do is we need to go to places where people are gathering so they can meet Jesus. And, and to do that, uh, we, we need to understand how much God loves us. We need to be in the Word of God. And so the second M is to mature. First we meet Jesus, and then we mature in our relationship with God. This is something that you have to make a personal decision to do in your own life. A pastor can't preach it enough. A parent can't force you enough. You have to make a decision. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to, I'm going to take the resources. I'm going to make myself available to God to be in His Word, to be in places where the Bible is taught so that I can mature, I can grow up in my relationship. So there's a huge misunderstanding today about what Christianity is. A lot of people, if you were asked, what is a Christian? They would say it means I'm saved, which is true, but that's not the full definition of biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is salvation, but it is also discipleship. 
meaning I should be growing in my relationship with God, my understanding of God. I should be maturing in the faith. I should be working out my faith with fear and trembling. This is maturing in the faith. To see how this plays out, if you have your scriptures with you, I want you just to see just one verse real quick, and then we're going to get to our main passage. In Matthew chapter 4, in verse 19, you may be familiar with this if you've had uh, spent any time in church. It's the invitation that Jesus delivers to what would become the, the first disciples. And he's walking along the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 19, Jesus speaks out to these fishermen and he says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And I just want us to look at this real quick. Jesus is walking and he extends the invitation, follow me. What is he doing? He's giving these men an opportunity to meet him to understand who Jesus is and to come to a better understanding of who God is. So he says, follow me. That's where we begin. We begin with meeting Jesus. Then what does he say? It's not just knowing him and, and knowing more about him. He says, I'm going to make you. That's the maturing process. I'm going to make you into something you are not yet. And it's going to be three years that Jesus is going to pour into these men's lives. And if you read through scriptures, here's the thing we can all understand. These men that Jesus, the son of the living God, poured into, they didn't get it right every single time. Matter of fact, sometimes they were rebuked, and we know that one completely walked away from Christ, abandoned him, betrayed him. But Jesus said, I'm going to make you into something you're currently not, and all for the purpose there at the very end, to fish for people, or some translation says to become fishers of men. And this is the, the third heartbeat that we're on this morning. We meet Jesus. We mature in our relationship with God. That's biblical Christianity, Christianity biblical discipleship. And then we are on mission for the kingdom of God. I'm so thankful that Christianity is not about sitting in a church. It's not. And if that is your definition of Christianity, when someone asks, are you saved? And you say, well, I go to church, you're missing it. God's got so much more for you and so much more for me. He wants us to be on mission for his kingdom. These kids right here this morning came to the confession of faith. They met Jesus. Now it's on the parents and the church to help them mature in the faith so they can be on mission where God plants them in the schools, in their extracurricular activities, in the sports. We as adults are on mission for God in our workplace. You may think that's the place where you receive the check, but actually that's the place where God placed you to be on mission for his kingdom. And to see how this unfolds, if I want to turn to our main passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. After Jesus had poured into these men's lives. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. That means all the authority that he had, he was now authorizing these men to do what? Go and make disciples. So Jesus poured into them, not so they would just gain more head knowledge and, and understanding, but that they would begin putting into practice what they had learned through his life and his example and his teachings, that they would be on mission and he fully unleashes them. The book of Acts chapter 1 says it like this, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. See, when we met Jesus, when we accepted him as Lord and Savior of our life, yes, we accepted salvation, but we also accepted the call that we were going to follow him, that we were going to learn more about him. We were going to learn more about this God who loves us so much. 
That's what it is to be a child of God, is I want to know more about this God who is for me, not against me, who gives me grace and mercy every single day. I want to be in his word. I want to draw closer to his presence. And we all have that desire inside of us as children of God by the spirit that we just desire to be in the presence of God, to hear God speaking to our heart. And God does this in maturity in faith because he gives us a spirit which empowers us, empowers us to take the mission of God to the world. God does not want people who sit on the bench or pew or chair. I don't know about you, but I played sports growing up. And one thing I never did when I played sports and went to practice and did all the lifting and all the running and all the weights and all that stuff. One thing I never hoped would happen is that I would do all of that so I could sit on the sideline and watch the game. Nobody does that. Nobody goes into a sport saying, man, I want to go to practice. I want the coach to yell at me. I want to do wind sprints. I want to go until I puke my guts out so I can watch the game like everyone else. No, we all want to play. We want to be in the game. We want to be part of the game. Even if we aren't that good, we want to be somewhere. If they stick us in right field, we're happy. You know, we're in the game. But it's so odd that Christians, believers, we do exactly that when it comes to God. He calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. And we define Christianity by me going to church and being in a building when that's not what it is. It's about being on mission for the kingdom. God calls us out so he can use us. He wants to put you and me in the game. But it requires that we be willing and submissive and obedient. We have to be willing to say, God, okay, here I am. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. Man, Paul met Jesus, and it changed his life forever. We know that he matured in the faith and his understanding not only of the Old Testament, but who Jesus Christ was in fulfilling the law and the prophets. And then Paul got on mission. He didn't wait for people to give him some sort of accreditation or some sort of diploma. He got right to work. He got on mission because he knew people needed to know how much God loved them and what Jesus Christ did for them. He knew if people did not have this understanding, if people were not given the opportunity to meet Jesus, they were going to hell. And not every time where Paul went to introduce Jesus to a group of people did they accept him with open arms. There's times they tried to kill him. There's times they've left him for dead. There's times they threw him out. But Paul continued to be on mission because he knew that God loved the world. And Jesus was the demonstration of that love. Paul is writing to a church in, in the city of Corinth that, lack of better words, is really messed up. Um, they had a lot of arguments going on. They were the, arguing about circumcision and faith and believing and uh, issues with love. So in 1 Corinthians, you, we have the love chapter. And so Paul's talking about, you know, if we do anything that is not in love, it's, it's just meaningless. It's noise. It's, it's really a waste of breath. Well, Paul is writing a second letter to him that we have to this group of believers. And what he's addressing here is, you know what? You, you understand God. You understand Jesus Christ. You've accepted this. But here's the problem is you're still living worldly. You still think it's about you. When the reality is, it's not about you, but what God wants to do through you as you are on mission for His kingdom. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. This is the moment 
When we meet Jesus, this is what happens. And if you're one of those who doesn't mind underlining Scripture in your Bible, I recommend to underline this one. Paul's saying, if anyone is in Christ, if they are found in Christ, if they've accepted Christ as the Son of the living God, that He died for their sins and He rose again, if, they, if they've made that confession of faith and they believe in that, they're found in Christ and this amazing thing happens, they're a new creation. It's not that, that they become, you know, repaired. They become completely new. The old has passed away. It is completely gone. All that junk that some of us have in our past that we just, we just so tired of remembering, all that stuff we hope nobody finds out about, all the stuff we don't parade around and talk about, all that junk by my faith in Christ in the eyes of God is completely gone. Completely gone. I'm no longer seen in that. But I'm seen in Christ. I become a new creation and a new has come. This is, this is what happens at the meeting part. When I meet Jesus and I understand God loves me and God demonstrated that love for me through Jesus Christ on the cross and through his resurrection and I meet that everything in my past that I worry about, that I, that I beat myself up about, everything is gone. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the resurrection. And Paul goes on to say in verse 18, he says, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. This is why we need to mature, to understand about this God who loves us, this God who reconciled us. That word reconcile means that God has brought us back into harmony with him. Every individual on this planet was created to be in a relationship with God. But the problem is every individual on this planet has a sin problem. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That means eternal separation from the God of the living is death, but the free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the reconciliation that happens in our life when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. That God, not us, God stepped in. God took Jesus Christ's holiness, His perfection. And what He did is He looked at you and me and in His love, He traded our sin and our disgusting self-righteousness and He swapped it. He gave Jesus our sin and we did Jesus' holiness and perfection all by our faith. That's reconciled eternally. And so he says that because of this, because God has done such an incredible act for all of us, we have now been given the ministry of reconciliation. What that means is now we are to be on mission. We're to go out and tell people about the Jesus that we have met. We're to go out and tell people about the God who loves us. We're out to go tell people that this is how I've, I've grown in my understanding of God, not for more head knowledge, but because I'm falling more in love with this God who loves me more than I can possibly imagine. And I want you to know this too. I want you to meet this Jesus. I want you to grow in knowledge of this God who loves you. I want you to be reconciled because if you aren't, you're dead in your trespasses. So we're to be on mission for the kingdom of God. And Paul goes on to say in verse 20, he says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors. Now Paul's using a language that believers in Corinth would have understood. An ambassador was an individual that typically Rome would send to places that were conquered. But there would be foreign nations and the ambassador would go there to represent Caesar. And he would try to, to teach the people how to be accustomed to the Roman world. 
Paul is using this word for us as believers and for the believers here in Corinth that says, now you are ambassadors. Now you represent God to a world that is hostile to God. But here's the coolest thing. Keep reading. It says, God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Did you see that? Verse 20, God is making his appeal through us. Here's the beauty of the gospel. It's not about you or me. It's not about you or me. It's not about what we bring to the table. It's not about what we think we can do. Jesus came and he invites people to him. God draws us to himself. He invites us into a relationship. It's not about my resume. It's about how much God loves us. And I'd be saved by the grace of God, not by anything I can do. And when it comes to maturing, it's God who gives me that desire to know more about him, to be in his word, to be in Bible studies. God working through me that I would grow closer in this relationship with him. And when it comes to being on mission for God, to taking Jesus to the world, it's not about us, but it's about Christ appealing through us. Appealing through us. So the only thing that is keeping you from being used for the kingdom of God is you. Show how this works. When I was growing up, my biggest fear was public speaking. What does God do? Hey, Mike, you're going to be a preacher. I'll tell you what, I wrestled with it. I wrestled, but when God made it abundantly clear, I had, I had to come down to a choice. I'm either going to be obedient and submit to a God I know who loves me, or I'm going to do what I think is best. I'm willing to bet the reason you haven't gotten on mission for the kingdom of God is because that's where you are right now. You've been unwilling to step aside and let God just use you. There's an incredible promise in Scripture that when we come to faith, when we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God puts a seal upon our souls and our life, an eternal inheritance, a spirit that lives inside of us. We're now the temple of the Spirit of God. And that, that spirit's not there just so it has a nice place to hang out and chill. That spirit's there so the power of God would come out of us. And so God gives us the Spirit, and then guess what he does? He gives us fruit to put off by the Spirit, and he gives us spiritual gifts. And no matter how young, old, man, woman, child, new believer, old believer, no matter where you are, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God dwells inside of you for you to produce spiritual fruit and bear spiritual gifts in your life, meaning God wants to use you. And I keep hearing this all the time. I've heard it for all my years in ministry. I just don't think I can do that. I don't think I could teach a class. I don't think I can, you know, sing a song. I don't think I can help out with kids or work in the nursery or help out with students or teach a Bible study. I don't, I don't think I can do that. And here's the, here's the truth that we need to hear. That is the best place for you and I to be. Because when we come to the realization that I can do it, you know what we have to do? We have to step out of the way and let God do it through us. And that's how God receives the glory is we step out of the way and say, God, I'm going to be obedient. I'm submitting to your will. Use me however you want. Appeal through me. And Paul goes on, turn to chapter 6. This idea of being mission in verse 1, he says, we are now working together with him. We're working together with Christ. 
I mean, when God, when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, now you go and make disciples, what he's doing, he says, now I'm giving you the mantle. I'm giving you the duty. I came and made God known. I was on mission for God. And now that I'm going to heaven, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But here's what you need to do. You need to take up my mission and take it to the world. And I'm going to peel through you. And he says there at the end of verse 2, don't receive the grace of God in vain. And this is a huge passage of Scripture right there. This idea of being on mission for God and being used by God, submitting to God. What Scripture is revealing here in this moment is when I do not allow God to use me for his mission, when I do not submit to the will of God, when I do not allow God to appeal through me, to use me, to be his ambassador into this world for his kingdom. Well, I don't allow God to use me to tell people that I've met Jesus. I'm, I'm no God and God knows me and, and, and I'm not out there in the world as his ambassador. What I have done, if I have taken this beautiful message of the cross, what we just sang about in that last song, that death was arrested. I take that beautiful message of the cross and it means little to nothing to me. So do not be on mission, to not be a part of God's work on this earth is to look at the cross and say there's no power there. It is take the grace of God in vain. This is huge because what it means for you and for me as a child of God, I have no excuse to not be used by God. I just need to step out of the way. Man, God wants to use you in incredible ways, ways you've never thought imaginable. But it begins by saying, you know what? I submit. You are my Savior and you are my Lord. And I submit. I am yours to be used. Put me in the nursery. I submit. <laughs> Put me with teenagers. I submit. Call me to teach a Bible study. I submit. Call me to join on the worship team. I submit. Call me to do some odd thing in the church. I submit. I want to be used by you so that the righteousness of God can come out of me and I can be practicing the ministry of reconciliation and showing that the cross is important to me. There are many ways to do this in the life of a church. That's the beauty of the church. The church isn't a building, it's an active, living thing. In the life of the church, we have several ministries where you can say, you know what, God, I submit. I've been given every excuse why I can't do that, but I submit I'm going to be involved in that. Here in a couple weeks, we're going to launch Wednesday Night Live on Wednesdays. 6.30, we have dinner. 7 o'clock, we start with Bible studies from kids to adults. And I know we have teachers already plugged in, but maybe you're like, that's been the reason you haven't joined. Because, well, I think they already have everybody. But you need to hear this, and some of y'all know this. There are some kids that just do not sit still. Right? And so they need a little extra love. They need someone who's willing to sit with them in their life and sit with them in that room, maybe sometimes take them from a little breather walk, but someone that can just be the minister of reconciliation to them, to let them know that they are important, that we're glad they're here. Yeah, they may be crazy. They may be sometimes obnoxious, but we're glad we're here. We're going to love on them so they can know the love of God. Here in, a, here in about a three or four weeks, September 10th, we're going to start Sunday morning Bible study. 9.15, here's where we're going to be studying the Bible. But more particularly, we're going to be studying Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Maybe what you need to do is, you know what, I, I, I'm in Bible study, 
But there are kids, there are students that other parents have, and I can come and I can love on those kids so their parents can be in Bible study. I'm going to be a minister of reconciliation to those kids. That's, that's allowing you to be on mission for the kingdom of God. It's allowing the parents to be blessed and to grow in maturity so they can teach their kids the things of God. Here in October, man, we're going to give sugar and candy out to kids so they can drive their parents crazy at Trunk or Treat. I want you to begin putting in your head right now. Man, I could grab, you know, four or five people. We could go in on a car. We could pack a trunk with candy. We could sit out here and tell the community, we love you. We care about you. And we want you to know that God loves you too. So here, here's a piece of gum. Jesus loves you. Just to be a simple act of being a minister of reconciliation and letting the world know that we believe God loves them. He wants to save them and he is for them just by giving candy. November and December, we have a thing called Fofty, from our family to yours, where we give meals and clothes and presents to families that are in need. It's simply going out to them and saying, you know, we care about you. We love you because God loves you. So the only thing that's going to keep us from being on mission from God is exactly what's keeping the Corinthians from being on mission from God, is they became worldly. It became about them. And if we become a church where it's all about us, and what we can do, and not about the community that God has put us in, then God will not bless this church. God has placed us in Stratford, Missouri. He's brought the Hurtian family to Stratford, Missouri to be on mission, that this community would have the opportunity to come to Christ, the entire community. What a huge task. What a huge promise. God says, I'm appealing through you if you just simply get on my mission plan. Man, God wants to use you. That's just here. About a month ago, Kendrick and I got in a conversation. There's a mission in Springfield called Victory Mission. It reaches out to a homeless population. It gives them food and it gives them the living word of God. I believe it's Thursday nights. What an incredible opportunity. We, we say, you know what, I'm going to make the time to do that. I'm going to step out and I'm going to go. And I, I may be just the one scrubbing dishes. I may be the one just shaking hands and welcoming. I may not have the, the Bible study part, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to let those people know who are down on their luck that God loves them. I'm going to be a ministry of reconciliation to them. I've been talking to Second Baptist, which Harvest Hills is a plant from, talking to them about some of the missions they do and, and going alongside of them. Not only missions here in America, but missions in the, in, in the world. And I believe God's going to reveal that very soon. My point is this. We meet God, we mature in our relationship. Why? So we can get on mission for God. So other people can meet God and mature in their relationship with God. That's why we're here. That's what we're going to be about. God wants to use you. When I was, uh, I've shared this several times. It, it's really, you know, put a scar on my heart and my mind. When I, was, when I was in sixth grade, I was about four feet wide, four feet tall. Little ball of joy. You know, old ladies thought I was the cutest thing because I had the cute cheeks, right? Thing about in sixth grade, I had two PE coaches um, that loved to play dodgeball. Now, if you're a bigger kid uh, and you allow your students to pick the teams, the big kids are rarely chosen first in dodgeball for a very good reason. <laughs> You're an easy target. And so 
I remember in, in sixth grade in PE, when we would come to dodgeball weeks, I mean, we would play for weeks, and I would just be standing there, and they'd be calling out names. And I know none of you all have ever had this in your life where you're like the last pick or close to the last pick, but it's very humiliating. You're just kind of hoping, man, I hope somebody wants me. I hope, hope I can be used, and come on, I, I can do you're just You're just kind of standing there. You get down to two or three, and you're kind of measuring up. Well, I think I'm better than, you know? Very sad place to be as a kid. But here's the promise from the Word of God. God chose you. God chose you. You're not standing on the sideline hoping to be picked, hoping to be loved, hoping to be wanted. God has already declared He loves you, He wants you, and He wants you a part of His family. He chose you. Maybe that's where you're here this morning is you need to accept God's gift to you. The Bible tells us that we are all created to be in a relationship with God. All of us. But our sins, those things in our life that we're not proud of, those things in our life that we just kind of like, oh, that's so stupid. Those things separate us from that relationship. The Bible also tells us we can't work our sin off of us. We can't be good enough. We can't go to church enough. We can't read the Bible enough. We can't sing enough. You, you can even be a member of a church and, and you could still be lost. The Bible said it is only through Jesus Christ and faith in Him by which we will be saved. That God so loved you, that God chose you, God wants you so much, He sent His perfect Son to this earth to live a perfect life that you and I couldn't. He died on a cross, taking the wrath of God for your and my sin upon Him. They placed Him in a tomb, but He came out. And the Bible says, when I place my faith in that, when I trust that that God loves me that much, when I trust Jesus did that for me, that I could be saved, I place my faith in that. That's what, 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 what faith is. It's trusting that. The Bible says I will be saved. It does not say you have to have it figured out. It does not say you have to have your life all, all worked out and cleaned up. It doesn't say that. It says you simply come and accept the gift of God, that God loves you, He wants you, and He's chosen you. This is what was testified this morning. This beautiful image of these kids coming forward saying, I know God loves me. He wants me. And this is what God is extending to you right here this morning. If you've yet to accept Jesus Christ, God is asking you to come and meet him. If you have and you're here, God is saying, guess what, child? I love you. I'm for you. I want to use you. I want to put you in the game. So get off your rump. Let's get to work. I don't know where you are this morning. But I'm going to ask Jackson to come and lead us in a song of invitation. If you need to accept Jesus, I'm going to be standing right here. Just come down and say, Pastor Mike, I want Jesus in my life. We'll talk and we'll pray together. If you know that you've been given excuses on why God can't use you, you're in a good spot, but now it's time to say, you know what? I know I can't do it, but God can do it through me. And maybe you just need to come and submit to the Father. Say, God, use me however you want for your glory here at Harvest Hill. Now's the time to respond. Let's, let's stand and pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your spirit and your power to be your ambassadors, to represent you and your glory and your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for this community you've placed us in to love on and be ministers of reconciliation to. 
Thank you for reconciling us. Father, we come this time, it's kind of a time of invitation, but more of a time of commitment and dedication. Well, I believe there are people in this room that come to awareness that they are not saved and they're lost. You've placed it in their heart, you're drawing them to come and meet with you and, and to be a part of your family. And I pray you give them the courage to step out, to come down and find me and just and let it be known. Lord, we as your people are gathered in this place, we want to be used by you. Forgive us those times we have made an excuse why we can't. Well, I thank you that every person here has a part to play in your kingdom advancement. Let us be on mission for you. Let people see that we do love you and we do love them, not by our words, but by our actions. So Lord, in this time and place, we come to a time of invitation. Let us not just be hearers of your words, but doers. Forgive us if we failed you in any time in this time. We pray this in your son's name.